Some people they drink too much Some people don't drink enough Some people are just like me All right, hey, welcome to Coctology, uh, a new podcast on the Pull Tab Sports Network controlled by the owner group. Uh, what we're trying to do here is talk a little bit uh, with my co-hosts for the day, sons Charlie and Harrison, both trained in the art of bartending. Um, we were at the tasting room and a guy had had too many at the end of the bar. And he said, what are you guys are drinking, making these things? What do you call yourselves, coctologists? And that uh, made us laugh pretty hard. We thought that I rifted back and forth with uh, Tom about maybe how we should be considered cocksmiths. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, because blacksmiths, silversmiths, used to be an expert in his craft would talk about, would be a smith. And so, but it... I paint a bit of a different picture to that. Yeah, it, 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 you know, you can say it's just like when we talk about my grandpa saying it's there's always time for a snort. Can't really say that anymore. Can't be a line. That's you true. can if you're British. Everything's based. Everything. Everything's based. Yeah. So, um, but so what we're going to do is we're going to try and cover a serious topic um, in the world of making cocktails, um, where you can bring it home easily. We're going to talk about cocktails, uh, dreams, Coglin's laws. Yeah, that's lost on YouTube. Yeah, isn't I don't it? know. Anyway. You didn't tell me about that one before. Anything else is always something better. And then we'll uh, we'll try and have a little fun while we do it. Hopefully, bring in some pop culture. Try from you youngsters. What is what are what is the drink of choice from twenty-ish year olds these Four days? Four locos. Mm -hmm. You know, six shots and Cur caffeine and same drink. Cur is that seriously still a thing? Unfortunately, they're yes, they're yeah. disgusting. They're the worst. Okay. Uh, anyway, so topic of the day is egg whites. Um, some people call them fizzes. Some people call them flips. It's a little bit dependent on what goes into a cocktail. But the important thing is uh, adding egg white is that you have citric acid in the cocktail. So it works really well with lemon juice, orange juice, um, anything with an acid and it'll help. And I'll let the chemist tell us a little bit about what shaking it dry first does. So what I believe the point is of the egg white and the citric acid acting as an emulsification is that the citric acid can break the large proteins of the egg white into smaller pieces that can be suspended evenly throughout the water and the gin and the other ingredients of the drink that can make a totally smooth experience all and, the way through. Yeah, they talk about when you like the ladies and the gentlemen that love the gin fizz always talk about how it how smooth it tastes and it in, in the cocktail world it's called mouthfeel uh and it is that oil being suspended in the egg white that makes it seem silkier creamier but the dry shake where you do it before the ice it's important to do that because it keeps water out of the equation correct until the second stage. Yeah. yeah. And then you can shake it as long as you want, chilled it down. It actually adds a little, um, it actually takes uh, a little more volume because the ice melts when you shake it. But, and then you typically strain it into a, an up glass with no ice. It is kind of an important part with um, any of those drinks, but not an absolute must. Uh, sort of an aesthetic thing because a 
something characteristic of the fizzes is it's got that layer of foam on the top that stays the entire way down. Yeah. And I believe that water would like excess water melting from ice would it minimizes would ruin it. That, yeah. Yeah. And um, when you do it, if you do it longer and I've done it with uh, when you have both um, cranberry juice and lime juice, I think it was the what we were making a, a Christmas flip. The foam will get to be so thick that you can actually layer stuff onto it. Yeah, and it'll just float on top of it. So cool the, the funny thing about that is that it started in the 1800s is when they started using egg whites in drinks. Um, back then, it was risky. Yeah, who was the first guy to look at that egg first white guy. and be like, I'm going to put that this, in my drink? Right. But, yeah, and obviously, egg whites can... If they're not pasteurized, can be can give you salmonella. Yeah, so uh, it, it is important to go ahead and get your egg whites. You can buy them in a carton in a store easily. They'll be pasteurized. They'll stay in your fridge for weeks on end. But um, so when you're making one of these, you can put any whiskey, gin, vodka, whatever you want to put into the drink. Then you're going to want a component that has sugar in it and a component that has citric. So whether it's lime juice, lemon juice, orange juice. You can make simple syrup by putting equal parts sugar and water, boiling them and keeping it as simple syrup. But I can tell you it's a lot easier just to buy simple syrup. Mm -hmm. Also easy to get. Um, when you're making one at home, try not to overthink it. Like make a few mistakes, find out what you like. Uh, I prefer lemon juice and a lot of things over lime, but Orange juice is a super important component of the whiskey sour, which is for sure my favorite of all of these. If you've ever seen the movie uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know where this is going. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he talks about having too many, too many drinks. And he says, if I wouldn't have had those seven goddamn whiskey sours. He's chucking his glasses around the trailer. So great. Leo DiCaprio. I'll admit I have got a little bit of a man crush on Leo DiCaprio. It's okay. He's I think most people crush. do. Yeah. I think he's one of those people where if you don't, you know, you're keeping something in because you should. <laughs> but I'm for, you don't have any chance with them because you're over the age of 30. Uh, you and I, though, uh, we could make it happen. Does he prefer young men? Yeah. He, what, what are you going he's, here? He's yeah. dated like six different women who are all 20-something oh. years younger than him. It's oh. just it's his preference. And he's yeah. rich, so he gets yeah. to. He's, yeah. His yachts, his helicopters. His one option. Okay, so let's get into uh, the cocktails that you can make. Um, the first one that I'll mention is the goddamn whiskey sour. Um, and if you take a larger cocktail glass, there's a couple of key components for this one. So it's, you take whiskey, your whiskey choice. I prefer something with rye because it pairs better with the lemon that you're going to end up using than bourbon does. But any whiskey will work. Uh, some lemon juice, some orange juice, or you can use a simple, uh, not simple, because I'm gonna say simple in a second, but a sweet and sour mix, then simple syrup and about an ounce of egg white. Get it in a shaker, no ice, hammer it pretty good for a good 10 seconds, then add a little ice, chill it, strain it over more ice. I know it loses a little bit of the foam and that's, but the classic whiskey sours over ice and it's garnished with a red, bright red maraschino cherry, sometimes with an orange slice, but usually just the cherry. That is a great place to start if you're a whiskey drinker. However, the Clover Club is probably 
as old as the gin fizz, those are probably the two oldest if you stretch back all the way into the early 1900s. Um, and maybe the, the craze at the time, you know, speakeasies and speakeasies and such. And the Clover Club just used a raspberry syrup. And so um, that is one you're starting to see it. I was going to put it in the tasting room and then Tattersall just down the road in River Falls beat me to it. I was a little bummed, but they're fantastic cocktail makers down there too. So um, the gin fizz, as you mentioned, why don't you walk through that one, Charlie? So here at Lucky Guys Distillery in Hudson, Wisconsin, this is how we do our basil gin fizz. So you start with an ounce of egg white to act as the protein that is the emulsif, the thing that gets emulsified in the cocktail. And then you add three quarters of an ounce of lime juice as the citric acid that breaks down that protein. Three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup for sweetness. And then your two ounces of gin. So you start with a dry shake, just to get it all mixed up without introducing any water to the equation. It allows the lime juice to break down the proteins into smaller bits that can properly mix in with the gin and the water that gets introduced later to the ice. So then you add a scoop of ice. And two leaves of basil. Ice, you're gonna up the basil and release the basil water into the apple. And you gotta give it a good stick. Get it warmed up. And then you add we take a glass. See as I pour that little foam layer forming up on the top. That will stay with the drink the entire way down. Give it a long meal. Harrison, do you uh, have you made either of those yet? I've made the basil gin fizz a couple times, but whiskey sour ain't on the menu yet. So yeah, I've yeah, made whiskey one. sours. It's on the menu, but it's off the menu. It's it's one of those where we're trying to work our way towards exactly how we want it to be. I think it'll make the fall menu. I don't think it'll be a summer one. Um, there's two others that I read about when I was doing the work on just the prep work into the history of this uh, of the fizzes or of the egg white. There's one called a black cap, which is apparently what they call blackberries in a lot of places in this country. They black call them caps. black caps. Yeah. yeah. And I've never had one, but I will soon uh, because I do love blackberries. But in that case, they're simply using um, whiskey, a blackberry, and that lemon juice along with the simple syrup. I mean, it It sounds good. It sounds good. I think you'd have to double strain that one to make sure you don't get blackberry seeds. Probably true. Yeah. And then when you say double strain, what we're talking about is a little tiny fine sieve like your you know, mom might have used to shake powdered sugar on your pancakes or French toast or something uh, being poured out of a strainer like you use typically use in the cocktail bar. And then the other one I read about was called the Pisco Sour. And apparently it's done with Peruvian brandy, which is what Pisco is. Um, and it's just simply brandy, lime juice, and simple syrup. And that one, I think, 
is, if not the oldest, it's one of the oldest. It's been around forever. Peruvians are the first one to the punch, though. Sounds like it, maybe. What does Peru got that we don't got? Machu Picchu. Yep, that's one, <laughs> right? Almost. And that's a that's a that's a potato chip company. Probably, yeah. No, just kidding. No, I know. We have a friend that just walked, just went to Peru. He said it was hard to breathe just walking around downtown because of the elevation. I bet it's like because yeah, Lima is than... like the highest capital up in the world. I think. Look at you. Yeah, got my geography knowledge. Yeah, big chemistry nerd over here. Should have been a historian. No, you shouldn't have. No, I shouldn't have. No. I, I like making money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I'd encourage everyone to try a little bit. You can even, I, I can tell you that the first times that I made them, I literally took an egg out of the fridge, cracked it, strained the egg white off of the yolk and made them. That works just as fine. If you're only going to make one or two, you don't need a carton of egg whites in your fridge because you're going to end up throwing them away if you don't. Yeah. You're going to end up just eating them for breakfast. Yeah. Probably. But, but I can tell you this too, that if you're at home and you've got friends over and you serve them all, a fizz uh, and up, uh, you know, put them in a little martini glass and serve them up. They're going to be, they're going to not believe that you know how to do it. And that's kind of the beauty of the fizz is it's the same process every time you just get to edit your spirit and some flavorings you want to end on the tail. And then you can make such a huge range of just anything. Seriously. Like we we're working our way towards having an entire segment of the menu, just the whole fizz portion. Yeah. And why not? I mean, I mean, it's they're they're fantastic cocktails, and the mouthfeel does matter. It makes you it, to not over nerd it. It just feels more like an elegant drink. It's not just a whiskey coke. It's fun to be fancy. Nothing wrong with those. Make you either. feel like a cocksmith, right? Get that cocksmith feel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like saying cocksmith. I yeah, it's a, Cox, it's a funny word. Cocksmithing is really the new it's aristocratic. New you think so? Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably going to be more people that want to be a cocksmith after this episode than so. ever did before. Probably. Yeah, we should put that on the back of a t-shirt. Cocksmith. <laughs> Professional cocksmith. Just have, like, employee shirts. What would Joe be wearing? Syrup runner. <laughs> we get cocksmith. Joe. Get owner. What are we calling him? The syrup king? Syrup master. Syrup master. Maybe syrup prince. Oh, because you're the you're, no. the you're the cock master? I don't want that. That is definitely, that is definitely not Put the on a t-shirt. Put on a t-shirt. Let's see what, oh my let's see what God. Michelle thinks. Cockmaster. That would Cock be, master. that's just problems. <laughs> All right. Let me see if I missed anything here. Um, oh, so our tasting room in Hudson, Wisconsin. Thank you to both uh, the owner group and Pull Tab Sports for giving us a chance uh, to do this and also for giving us a chance to, you know, talk about our tasting room, which is probably the newest tasting room, I would guess. I don't think I've heard of anybody opening one since, uh, where we make everything ourselves. We make the bourbon, we make the gin, we make the vodka, we make specialty liqueurs, which I think are probably going to be what we get become known for the Uzo. I think a lot of people ask for the bourbon and the barrel aged gin and the purple source Rex. Yeah. Not purple purple source Rex is such a, it's such, I'm such a great surprise. The grape thigh. I'm still waiting for the chance to tell people where the name grape thigh high comes from. Cause like nobody knows it's, what grape it's a great high. story, but no one asks where did the name grape thigh high come from? They will. They've asked me before and yeah. you know, we're not that well known yet, but 
when you come in, I guess I want people to know that it, we love the we've had some serious spirit geeks come in. They want to they want to taste our version of Campari, the Concilio Rosso. They want to try the Uzo. They can't believe someone's making Uzo. And frankly, I'm surprised that I'm making it too, but it really turned out great. So I want to make it. And so we'll take everything from the absolute geek to the guy who just wants a vodka soda. We're, we're not, we're not hoity-toity, but we make hoity-toity drinks. Coxmiths. Right. And for Uzo, for those who don't know, pretty niche spirit in this section of the States. It's a Greek spirit flavored with star anise, which is the same primary flavor in black licorice. So in layman's terms, it's just a black licorice spirit, Yeah, which is nice because if you hate black licorice, you're not going to like it. And if you love black licorice, you're going to love it like you already know before you try it. I would even argue, I haven't tried it in a while, but the Athena's way, like doesn't have that flavor much. It settles a little bit. Yeah. So it's not as strong. When you make cocktails and you add simple, it does soften any sort of any sort of sugar will soften the edges of the spirit and so with athena's way that blood orange simple syrup with that we use does soften up the black licorice taste and when we put that little coffee sprinkle on the top that changes the aroma mm-hmm. that's very true that's another nice little yeah. touch to it so i wouldn't be scared off of that one yeah if well it, that one, i mean it truly tastes almost like an adult malt it does like you try it and you're like i don't like there's no like the black licorice bitterness isn't there because yeah. of the simple syrup and the cream does a lot too when you shake it yeah like it's super frothy well and i think when we started with that one we were talking about making it with half and half but i think the heavy cream has more silky you know again i know it's mouthfeel sounds weird and that's kind of a weird concept for people to even wrap their head around that people talk about mouthfeel when, it, when you talk about drinks but it actually matters yeah, we didn't get to the teachers that were women's and perspirant there. Did we miss that one on the topic oh, right. list? Yeah, we were. Not so. We were going to loop back around to that one at the end. We it was can, like Tarzan. We, yeah, <laughs> we can end up back there. I was going to bring up my uh, banana class. If you're going to be a historian, you've got to take classes about the history of bananas. Pretty bloody. Pretty bloody history. But I learned about I, I learned about agave, which is pretty cool. Can't make it, but. Well, we can we can make agave spirit, but we can't make tequila. Are you going to do that maybe at some point? I mean, I know you got to figure out. Like, where would I get a truckload of blue agave from? Like the family vacate to Mexico, smuggle it back across the border. <laughs> what I found is that, like champagne, tequila has to be made either in Jalisco, which is a region of central Mexico, or I forget the name of the second one, but it's near. Guadalajara that's there. Colima, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was what it was. You and I talked about that. Yeah, it's the whole so, Guadalajara region. Which is where an, an, an agave plant takes almost 10 years to grow before it can be ready. The it's, moment before it flowers. Is that right? Yep, and okay, it flowers yeah. once in its lifetime, and it takes like 7 to 10 years to flower. It's ridiculous. But I can go down there, and I can help blend um, a tequila, import it, and bottle it and call it tequila. That's mine. So long as my... the spirit actually comes out of at least. Right. Yep. So it's like champagne it has to be made in champagne, France. This has to be made in those two regions. So but... it's confirmed. Lucky guys, agave coming soon to Colima, <laughs> Mexico. Stay tuned. I think we're the banana part, though. Someone was talking to me about um, having different stages of their whiskey and how one of them tasted like banana. And I remember Joe walking in to the 
distillery one time saying it smells like banana bread. And might have been in that stage. Right. There's a there's a point at which the yeast is converting sugars to alcohol where it um, be, has a banana flavor and a banana smell, but it's actually not good. It's not supposed to happen. It's only, it only happened the one time. So I think you probably, you know, the wood does magic when you put aged spirits into barrels anyway. So that's nothing to worry about. But you know what? I wonder if that could be, it could be totally unrelated, but I did a lab section in this, this year where there was this chemical called isopentyl acetate that is called banana oil because it smells exactly like bananas. It's what they, I think it's what they use as like candy banana flavoring. Come on. So I wonder if at any point in the process, there's a little bit of that going on in the barrel and that's what smells banana-y. Well, you're the chemist. So we'd have to do some. So I'm thinking, but isopentyl and acetate both, you know, we make, there's acetone mm-hmm. in, in distillate and there's isopropyl alcohol in the distillate. So maybe. The tools are definitely there to make isopentyl acetate then. Right. And so I wonder if it's just uh, science happening in there. Look at you two, a bunch of science nerds. Yeah, tell us about sports management. Yeah, how would you manage this sport-wise? You know, with the cap, cap space <laughs> that we got here, I think we need a couple more people brought on the team, and we need to make some free agent signings here. Yeah. Bring in some actual talent. I We're going to need pretty- some real oh, cocksmiths with some experience. Charlie, we're going to have to cut you pretty soon. You're going to be done at the end of the season. Well, one thing we do know is that when summertime comes, we move from brown to clear. Because just about everybody knows that you drink whiskey in the winter and gin and vodkas in the summer. So we're going to have to make up some three, four different new gin profiles to really stretch out. We've had a lot of people talk about gins. I sampled out a guy last night had a barrel aged GT and he was raving about it. He liked it a lot. He was like, this is definitely the best. I mean, he only had the trace GNT, our normal gin and tonic, and the barrel aged gin and tonic, but a lux he was like, tea. he didn't have a lot. He didn't try the lux, but yeah. of those two that he did try. But he was like, the barrel aged. He liked the barrel aged better. A lot better. Well, there's, I mean, it's amazing what wood can do. It's just simply taking that, that straight line gin and. That's what you said. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. It was a layup. Yeah, I had yeah, to do yeah. it. If I if I put it on a tee and you don't hit it, isn't that your problem? Right? It is my problem. Yeah, right. Uh but the way that pairs with lemon, I think that's funny. I think we gotta we gotta come up with a name for the that barrel aged gin and tonic because it's got honey and it's got lemon. And I I said it's a honey dripper and your mom cringed, so Yeah, honey dripper is Honey not, dripper is a weird name. But do you know what a honey dripper is? Is it that thing that, that? Yeah, it's that okay. little coiled thing. That is that they, really what it's called? Yeah. Huh. And there was actually a band back in my day. Was that a Robert Plant? You Gabe, do you remember? The wrong person. <laughs> there was a band called the Honey Drippers. It was this is like a specialty one-time song kind of a. Gotcha. Anyway, what else? I'm kind of that's kind of the end of my topic stuff. Gabe, where are we at time-wise? Oh, we're at twenty-two. What do we got left? I don't even know. We could talk about our adventure through the new still pieces and how much fun we're having with those. Very funny to watch. Jesus. Happy I wasn't stinky stinky grain grain rat. rat. Oh, (laughs) so we're working. This was Friday. 
This is the busiest night of the freaking week. And I was running um, this, all the equipment that we have at the distillery is new. Not all of it, but a good majority of it is new. And I, of course, know that there's going to be a learning curve. And so these two are here. They're there with me working on, um, you know, there's a grain auger. There's water that comes from a hot water tank that's 190 degrees already. You don't have to heat it up. But so we're adding all these things in. And the first one that I did was a disaster because the equipment didn't work right and we couldn't pump it all out. And um, this this one is actually round number three. And when we get to the end of the cook, we get all the fluid into the fermenter, but the sugar content is way lower than it's supposed to be, which is frustrating because it basically means that you spent all that time to get half as much alcohol as you want from a normalized amount of grain that you're cooking. But I noticed when I'm done that one of the panels in the floor has moved a little bit and I got to get in there and put the panel back. And when I pick it up, I noticed that the entire area under the floor is full of gelatinized corn. Just bricks of corn. Bricks. Like I was in the, I was in the still for four hours cleaning it inside of the still. Like, and it's not a still, it's a mash tun, but whatever. It's just basically a big cooking vessel. And we give all of our spent grains to a farmer to feed to his pigs. So it wasn't like going down the drain and I wasn't throwing it on the floor. Actually, some of it was getting on the floor because I was so mad when I was throwing it. But so I'm picking out these huge, basically, like, they're like it corn was, yeah, cakes. Just a solid. Started as a powder. But it, I probably pulled, it was at least 150 pounds worth of. It was a lot under there. It yeah. was a and you were lot. there like in there. Pulling stuff out for two and a half hours. Just sweating and cussing and clanging around. Oh, oh my goodness. Everybody looking through the windows like, like, what is he doing? You walk out there? and you're like, will you make me a barely gin and tonic? And I, you're like, tall, please. And then yeah. you walk back in and you're just drenched in sweat. Just, and I was like, I think he needs a little. Just plastered with dried Needs a little extra pick me up. Clothes. I'll add a half an ounce here. Yeah. And the, the, the they call it a man way. Careful. Phrasing. Um, the, the, the door that is, you look in from the top of the mash done in order to see what's going on. But the manway is like just below, maybe just above my armpits. So it's not a way in or a way out. I learned that for fact when I climbed in once and it hurt. And then I couldn't get the leverage to climb back out. So I had to crawl in through the front door. Mm-hmm. And so my entire front and side were covered in smeared corn mash. Stinky grain rat. Yeah. That was you that day. And that, you know, so we've got a whiteboard hanging right outside of it. And these two clowns have started watching Breaking Bad. And so. Oh, it's done. So I've it's done. been watched. Yeah. So, uh, of course, written on the front of the board is Jesse, the fucking pH is wrong. Jesse. Jesse. Jesse, the pH. The pH, the pH is wrong. wrong. And I had to stink. I had to crawl around in the pot like a stinky grain rat. Just get so in the still. Basically, I was a stinky grain rat, and when, and in, and in doing that, all in front of the you know hundreds of people that are on the other side with the I'm, nice little peanut gallery windows, <laughs> just to watch. Everyone's you. just looking in on seeing you. They're like, "What is this guy doing?" And uh, you're crawling in and out. Bricks of grain are. But hey, at least they're seeing the you. Work, you're working hard, not hardly working. Well, yeah. Mom was like, "You know, you should, you can't do that on a Friday night." I'm like, "That's the show." 
they literally people are going got to see the show yeah breaking bad i hope this next cook was better than this one breaking lucky breaking lucky except it's legal it's legal so this is we're not killing people and that was the second run that we did where we only got what i would guess eight to nine percent and the standard is about 15 to 18 yeah we definitely we definitely got shortchanged on it but hopefully we've talked to a few when you now we're getting really deep into the process, I suppose, which is maybe some people are going to be a little, this is a little too nerdy for them. But um, when you talk about making bourbon, there's a grain to water uh, ratio that most people run up. They try and run up around three because the more grain means the more alcohol means the higher yield means less time cooking, more time barreling, or you get a lot higher. And I, I don't even think I was over two at the time. So this we got to improve the process hopefully the alpha amylase enzyme that breaks down that stuff i know it's even listen i i have to call a chemist at my yeast company and talk to him because i don't i'm not smart enough that's what he's for yeah well and then you well i need a little more training but i'll get get there maybe we should have you go work with mitch one time that would be cool so yeah that's that was a we should probably we should probably wrap something with some sort of booze story. I mean, well, well, that's actually a good one. If you if you think about ouzo, ouzo like tequila, like um, there are others. Jagermeister's another really good one. Goldschlager's another good one. They have um, roots and herbs and things. That's how they're made. Jagermeister has like twenty seven herbs in it. And some of those things are time travelers. How so? Meaning if you have too much, you'll travel in time. <laughs> travel to the next day real fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll, uh, Wormwood in particular is one that will make you miss a few beats on the clock. You might be upright and you might be drinking, but you won't remember any of it. So when you're drinking those herbed liqueurs, be careful. Speaking of, I don't know if it's an herb liqueur, but I've been hearing about it and how it will put you down real fast. Malort. Oh, yeah. What is Malort? I got to, maybe this is a topic for next time. We can do a little research on Malort because I believe Malort is a fortified wine. Really? Yeah. I've heard it tastes like whiskey. I believe it. Maybe that's what they fortify it with? Yeah. Well, or brandy. Or brandy. Like if you think about port wine, um, is usually fortified with brandy. So you're taking the same base spirit because you want to make sure you don't, you wouldn't want to mix grain into a grape-based thing or vice versa. You'd want to make, but okay. So we've got topic for next time. Malort. Malort. This kid didn't even believe it was real when I was telling him about it the other day. That's just a weird name. I don't, I was on something yesterday. I like thought lemons were oranges and I opened up the old fashioned garnishes which is, you know, the orange and the cherry. And I went, Charlie, I think these are lemons. And he was like, you are so stupid today. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I also needed help looking for bottles in a car. Yeah, when you um, had your sample bottles in the truck, I was we were going to take it. And I was like, make sure the bottles aren't in there in case we take them. And he goes, can you help me look for them? In the, in like, the truck. In, what do you mean? I Just look for them. I don't know what was going on yesterday. A little slow. He's been spending too much time in Oklahoma. His IQ is just in a free fall. Jeez, there go take that? all of our Oklahoma listeners. They're gone. <laughs> all, probably one of them. Well, maybe we should point <laughs> out that it's Oklahoma State. 
whoa, what? Right? Because you're because you're not a sooner. You're not a boomer sooner. No. Here you go, Pogues. Go, Pogues. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, this is Coctology, part of the Pull Tab Sports Network. If you want to follow us on Facebook or Instagram, it's Lucky Guys Distillery. Um, we're at Trace Lucky LLC on Twitter if you want to follow. <laughs> follow it. Yeah. But uh, most of our stuff is Facebook and Instagram. Um, and we are at 101 Second Street in Hudson. You can't miss the pink neon rabbit kitty corner cool. from the Dairy Queen. It looks pretty cool. Exit one. Uh, cocktail hours, 2 to 10, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And 11 to midnight, Friday, Saturday, 11 to 6 on Sunday. Outdoor deck really getting into its season right now. Um, come and see us. And well, we're happy to make you a fizz or a flip. You can tell us if you like it and maybe you'll make it at home. Hope and we taught you something. If you got any niche cocktails that you love and can't find anywhere else, send them our way and we'll yeah, we'll give them a look-see. That's another thing for sure. We would be happy to try and make whatever you want us to try and make if you don't find it on the menu. But the main thing is we want you to have a good time and have a good cocktail. Cheers. But I'm not for everyone.